0: our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team, it's Fab back here. Welcome back to the Make an Impact show, this week brought to you by Bitcoin. No, I'm not joking. We actually end up talking to Joe Barnes about Bitcoin. That's not the only thing we talk about, but it's kind of funny how we just went off a tangent and started talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. What we really talk about in today's episode, though, is about doing the work you love. And I think if 2020 and 2021 has taught us something has been that following our passions is something that we can do and we can do it at the best way that works for us. And we can understand what your, our passions are and what plan we want to set in place to reach those. And this is really what we talk about today with The Amazing Jewel Barnes. If you don't know Joe, Joe is the author of the books Escape the System and Do the Work You Love as well as Freedom Manifesto. He writes for people who are fed up with conventional ways of working and living, giving them the tools needed to succeed on their own terms. And I really feel you're gonna get inspired by what he has to say and share, because I was on fire during this interview and I asked him all the hard and tough questions and he was a legend. He was able to give us incredible answers and loads of practical things to think about for ourselves. I really hope you're enjoying this episode of the Make an Impact show. I really hope you're going to enjoy the latest issue of the magazine. If you haven't downloaded it already, please go to creativeimpact.group slash magazine to get your digital copy And if you are in the newsletter, you're very lucky because you should have already received your digital copy for July and August in your inbox. As always, I appreciate you and the time that you spent with us, supporting us, and through this crazy journey, I guess, that is the journey of podcasting and making a positive impact. I'm so excited for you to meet Joe Barnes in today's episode. On with the show. (music) Hello everyone. Hello Joe. Hi Fab. Today is going to be a fun day because this is a podcast right so it's video uh, audio see already but we have video for the snippet and now I put a lot of pressure on Joe to make sure that he doesn't touch his laptop so that his camera is going to like us for the rest of this chat. So we're going to try and be as still as possible. However I want to say I want to hear your opinion actually before we jump on the conversation. I was thinking Literally adding a webcam for me personally, doing a lot of stuff online to my laptop, it's been a micro investment, but it's made all the difference. You were talking about doing a YouTube live for the first time. Is that the reason why you you got it just to, to be able to do better online workshops? Because I find it's a tool that not everybody thinks about.
1: Yeah, it's it's makes a big difference. I didn't just get it for that. I do something called Success Club. I run, is a meetup group. And since the pandemic, we can't meet in person. So I do it all online. So once a month, once a month I hold these events and I just thought towards the end of last year I could do with a webcam. So I got one. I got I got the most sensitive one in the market. If you nudge it just a tiny bit, it switches off.
0: You know, it's so funny because I had similar issues with mine. And to be honest, I appreciate it. So I know what you're talking about, especially when when your laptop is what it is. and Obviously, a lot of the laptops in the last couple of years were not meant to be streamed on Zoom for days. So it does make a, a, a massive difference. But nevertheless, camera or not, we'll be fine. Thank you for being here today. I'm very, very excited to see you and to talk to you. Now, as always, we start with a couple of icebreaking questions just to get people to know who Joe Barnes is. So I'm gonna jump on. It's gonna be three questions, super easy. Boom. We're gonna start off with my first question. So Joe, what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it?
1: So I think the very first job I had was a, a like a seasonal weekend thing, um, selling Christmas trees in a garden, garden center. So that was when I was sixteen. Does that kind of job count? Are we? Is that? Is that worthy? Yeah, enough? we
0: had the, quite a few kind of like summer jobs, winter jobs, but I'm I'm counting it as a job because I think they can teach you so much. So to I me, did. it, 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 is a it job. taught
1: me a lot. It taught me that work sucks, basically, and that was the lesson <laughs> I learned pretty quickly that spending an entire day doing something again and again and again is very boring and tedious and draining. So uh, pretty quickly, I realized I didn't want to do a regular job.
0: Are you trying to say that this, this moment was the inspiration for your actual book?
1: Probably not. No, it was, the, it was just the first moment that I, uh, it was my first exposure to it. I, I, school was, School could get boring, but school wasn't monotonous. You know it, it was sometimes it was it dragged a bit but we were learning different subjects we were learning relatively interesting stuff go into the world of work and you just get well this okay this is a menial job so it's not it's not necessarily the world of work for everybody but it was my first introduction and i realized just how boring life could be when you that was what, all you did all day long so it wasn't the first time but then because it was only like two weekends But then when I had another job where I was working in WH Smith's on the till, and then I had another job working in a company where I was doing data entry, I started to real the the pattern emerged and I started to kind of figure out, oh, this is something I really do want to avoid um, in my future life.
0: I love that. And I think, you know, a a lot of experiences that we do, we tend to remember and celebrate the ones that teach us something positive that we want to take on or continue doing. But there's a lot to be learned about the things that we did not enjoy or the things that we just realized about ourselves, because I find that's where we kind of stop making some of the mistakes sometimes, or maybe, as you say, avoid some of the paths that we know just don't work for us in the first place. Now, second question, we are slightly going forward to the last six months. So we're getting closer to home. Alrighty. So this is, need to give you context. So I'm going to give you the questions and then explain. What's the best investment that you made in the last six months? If it is a thing, okay, then it has to be a hundred pounds or less. So it can go a bit back to six months, but if it's not a thing, it's fine with anything, but what's the best investment you made in the last six months?
1: Okay. Um, I don't know if I meet the parameters of your question. I basically, well, a few, few things, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I invested in them, but you said less than £100?
0: Ideally so, but then if you tell me that, I don't know, each each bit was, you know, it's, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. they
1: were a lot more than £100. So, <laughs> <laughs> But so far, it's turning out to be a great investment.
0: Actually, I wanted to ask you something about this because there might be some people that are like, okay, maybe you lost me Double H Smith, but now you definitely lost me Bitcoin. Can you just give us obviously what we're going to talk about today? But I find it such a fascinating subject, and I just did like just started dipping into investing, more traditional, I guess, investment three years, four, five years ago, mm-hmm. and that that for me already was. um So, in a nutshell, can you tell me what prompted you to? look into investing in Bitcoin? And if you were to give us a one-on-one kind of explanation of how it works, just to give us a bit yeah. of context.
1: Well, I guess it, there was a major run with Bitcoin. I think it's, I, I might have my years out by one. It was either the end of 2017 or the end of 2018. I think it was the end of 2017, when it first sort of coming into the public's conscious, consciousness, um, before, i I'd heard about it before that, but, but by that point, I just thought it, it's too risky. You know, this thing goes up and down so quickly. And I kind of kicked myself because I was hearing that the people who invested it back in 2013 or 14, not that I'd heard it at the time, you know, could put a hundred pounds into it. And now their hundred pounds was worth 500,000 pounds. So I was thinking, what an opportunity I've missed out on. But at the same time, it, it still looked really risky to me. So it had its big explosion at the end, I think the end of 2017. Then it crashed. So I thought, okay, well, glad I didn't invest in that. But then I was just seeing that it was kind of stabilizing and rising, raising, rising back up. And then just after the lockdown last year, when I obviously had a bit more free time, I thought, you know what, there's probably something in this. The fact that it's had its crash and it hasn't disappeared completely, it's grown a little bit. I thought this is probably here to stay and if it's here to stay then it's probably worth investing in especially as now here's the thing because governments are pumping so much money uh, into the economy now because of, because of the lockdowns basically and the economy shrinking it devalues fiat currency it devalues our regular money and there will be huge inflation at some point bitcoin is kind of a bet against that so Well, sorry, is a bet on that happening, but against the more regular money devalues, the more value Bitcoin will have. So that's those factors combined made me think, actually, this is probably a good investment. And so far, it's been a great investment. So I'm just sort of it's it's become so hard to buy one Bitcoin. I mean, the price has been anywhere between about, I think, fifty five thousand and thirty five thousand dollars. So it's quite hard to get a Bitcoin now. But back in May last year, it wasn't so difficult to, to get one when I invested.
0: I love that. And I think, again, I, I will count. OK, as you said, it's definitely not 100 pounds, especially when it comes to the grand scheme of things. But, you know, I'll, I'll give us that unless we have something else to think about, because I think it's really important and interesting also to understand I we want to diversify and kind of look at the different opportunities and I believe that even just getting a bit more literacy so thank you for explaining that as well because I think some people might be I I had a bit of an understanding but I know that some people might be really struggling with just grasping it and it can be a good reminder to actually look at what's around you because I think some of these opportunities are key and it's just really financial well-being one-on-one yeah
1: I I mean it's at the end of the day it's not I'm not a materialistic person at all it's not so I can buy consumer items for myself it's it's about freedom that's what it's about if you can get your financial freedom you don't have to do things you don't want to do so that's something like bitcoin although now the kind of it's a bit more known so the opportunities to make as much money aren't quite there but it's still probably a good investment but there are you know thousands of good investments out there if you can find them and they're the the chance to start building for your financial freedom in the future so that's that's why i like it so much i also like it because it's kind of against mainstream governments and big banks and there might be a clash you know it may eventually be shut down or or regulated so heavily it, it becomes uh, valueless or governments create their own digital currency So i'll turn this into a bitcoin podcast it's not nice intention but it's, it, I like what I like about cryptocurrencies is because it takes power away from governments and big banks, which I think we need more and more of power needs to be dispersed.
0: And to be honest, just to piggyback on that, I am I, enjoying this too, but we're going off a that. I'm, I'm loving tangents. I'm a tangent woman. So, and I think it's so important. It's even I personally found different ways to invest. One thing I'm going to mention because we have an excellent webinar about this, which I'll put in the show notes. We also have a lovely chat with the guys at Penfold, which in the UK set up their first uh, self-employed pension which is kind of, it's oh, okay. on your control, right? But it's these little reminders, actually, you can start thinking about where you want to put your money in the different pots. They don't have to be, as you say, uh, putting it in a traditional investment uh, platform or even bank. And just thinking about the different ways that you can maybe support small businesses, support other causes, again, put money away for yourself, in order, as you say, to create that freedom, which I'm sure we're going to tap on in a second, just gonna ask you the last icebreaker question. But I think it's an excellent point there, because um, I value that a lot. And I believe there's a lot of pressure, sometimes to um, work for the money, but what if we can make the money work for us? Mm. For that, though, last quick question, this might be actually a quick answer. So Joe, What would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why?
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, something's popped. There's there's a few, but something's popping into my head uh, straight away. Not so much now. Actually, probably my knowledge is still good, but I'm a big uh, Michael Jackson fan. So if you ask me a question on Michael Jackson, I could probably answer it. (laughs)
0: I always get different ones I enjoy this so much what would be uh, my mom is a massive lover so I I listened to a lot of his music had dvds as well with videos when videos were still a cool thing what would be your favorite song of his
1: Uh, there's a few Uh, I've got to pick one or I can pick a couple I'll give you three three probably don't stop till you get enough uh, man in the mirror and don't know about the third one maybe rock with you. I think I go with those three.
0: Nice. Nice. I enjoy that. Excellent. Okay. So this was a bit of a, this was a bit of a side, um, but I would like to go back now. So thank you so much for, for playing with our icebreakers. Um, I would like to go back with what we talked about already, because I think it's a really interesting angle that we just naturally went into and it's you know, you talk a lot about doing the work you love and also understanding that, you know, from the beginning of understanding it to then obviously creating a plan and then going forwards. So what I'm going to ask you before we talk about that specifically, where do you think, we talked about investments, so where do you think about actually that financial freedom that is not based on the work that we do sits within the bigger picture of, again, creating I'm going to say ideal life it makes me a bit cringe, but you know what I mean? Well, we can create a life that works for us. Is it just a case of doing the work or is there other things like, again, financial investments, making money work for us that we can bring into the picture when we're trying to create a life that works at our own terms?
1: Oh, so, so from what I understand from your question, my, my answer is there's kind of two approaches to financial freedom. It doesn't necessarily mean having a ton of money that means you don't have to do work anymore. It could be doing work you enjoy, because if you're working for a, a purpose greater than money, then you are not beholden to money. You are not a slave to money in, in, in any way. You may want to make money, of course, that's very natural, but your main drive is something beyond that. I would say that person is financially free, even if they're only making, what, 25,000 a year, they're still financially free because their life is not dictated by money. But then, as you mentioned, there's a whole other side to it, which is you could do work you enjoy, make a basic living. But you could also have some clever investments, which with time then build towards you earning the other kind of financial freedom, which is not actually needing to do any work you don't want to do because you have enough money to to support you.
0: I love that. And I'm going to go deep. I'm going to start digging with my, little, with, like, with my little, I don't know what to call it right now. I lost the word, but you know what I mean? I'm going to start digging. All right. Why do you think that we started, I would say definitely online. Let's go into the online world because that's where definitely we dive into, especially the creative impact. Why do you think we started to see an ideal, inverted commas, by the way, ideal of what, you know, our life should look like? Why do you think a lot of people are starting to feel maybe the pressure to having to make their life, because I love what you mentioned here that you, you can make 25,000 and still find that that's your ideal freedom. Why well, do you think there's a lot of us that feel the pressure to actually make our freedom look like something that maybe it's not what we want? Because I think there's a lot of what we see outside out there now that makes us feel this is what success looks like. That's the conversation that I'm going with.
1: Right, okay. So, and your question is, why has that occurred that way? Well, do you mean like, kind of social media driven success or do you mean i would say
0: so i think that's probably
1: success because that's two very different things i mean if you're talking about society driven success the kind of thing your parents are going to tell you that's the kind of old model it's you know work endless hours make lots of money have a super stressful life that's supposed to be successful and i guess what you're saying the social media kind of success is the whole everything looks great on Instagram, but what is it actually like behind the scenes sort of thing? And I think the, the reason for that, the prominence of that kind of success is because unfortunately, I think a lot of people are shallow and they look at that and they think that's what they want. And they think, that, they think that's what being successful is and they don't take time to actually ask deeper questions about themselves, what, what really motivates them and drives them and they can get tricked into thinking that you know the constant photos of travelling and and looking fantastic or or whatever it might be is is the life that that they should aspire to when really they sh- maybe they've got to look to what you know brings their soul alive rather than rather than what other people hold up as a as a great life because even a life of traveling a lot and instagram fame and success maybe maybe it feels empty sometimes i don't know i mean i'm sure it's a lot better than working an office job and, and being stressed and, and bored out of your brain but <clears throat> i always think that your any success you aim for should be driven by what's in your soul
0: i love that and by the way you give me two examples i know by the way i've been asking you hard questions to start with i'm promise i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: ease you in a bit on you bring them on
0: <laughs> but the reason why I asked that is actually because I wanted to see what you would what you would provide me with. And I love that you gave me the two outside, almost outside driven concepts and ideas around success. And I think even the society one and all the examples that we have around us, whether it's our parents or again, there's, a, there's something to be said about whether the Instagram, let's call it, success or social media success will then become more and more, you know, part of that society's success because that's what younger generations are going to be exposed to. And I think that's, I love that you mentioned, obviously, finding your passion, which we'll get to now. That could be also part of what builds up then, you know, our definition of success in the first place. And when they kind of collide, that's kind of what younger generations would see. And that's what they feel their job should be like or their passion should be like. So going now back, um. Oh, actually, I have another question. I was going to ask you an easy question, but no, Joe, I'm going to go back to the hard ones. I know the answer already, but I want to hear it from you. Do you think there is a right time or a right age to dive deep and discover what your passion is? Do you think you can be too young or too old to discover what your passion is and find what you really love doing?
1: Um, Well, you know the answer. So what am I going to say?
0: (laughs) You can be honest or you can lie. No, I'm joking. But no, I, I would love to hear no, that think, and also why people think that way. That's
1: kind I, of- I think it comes to people at different ages. Um, I think I was quite young. I was 18 when I started questioner- questioning everything. But I think it, it comes to people at eight different ages and they discover it at different ages. I use an example in my book, uh, Do the Work You Love. And it's... Uh, Julia Childs, I think, who was a famous American chef. And this was actually decades ago. I don't know, 1960s, 1970s. And she was, at the time, she was huge. I think I think she was one of the biggest, like, cele- what we now call celebrity chefs. I don't know if it was the same back then. But she was one of the biggest chefs in America. And she had cookbooks and TV programs. She didn't even start cooking, I don't think, until she was 35. So there's definitely no like age limit on when you discover your passion. And I think the younger, the better. I think any advice to kids, if I had children or when I hopefully have children, I will be telling them, you know, do okay in school, do the minimum in school, do enough. But you've really got to start thinking maybe from your teenage years, what what is it you really enjoy doing? And probably spend probably focus more on that than you do on your schoolwork. Of course, don't fail school, but realize that if you really want to have a happy life, it may not be through following what society and what your teachers tell you 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 have to do.
0: I love that. And yeah, I know it was a trick question in itself, but the reason why I asked is because I wanted you to bring us some examples because I think, again, I'm projecting into a lot of the things that our members and our community tells us, which is, I want to turn this passion into something more, but maybe I am too old or I'm too young and people are not going to uh, take me seriously enough. And, you know, it's just one extra reminder that sometimes we need to hear that at the end of the day, you know, once once you can get that confidence, and I want to ask you actually about uh, your dream job chart as well and like that finding that passion and kind of a, a sneak peek of what that looks like from the book. Because I think it's very important to start doing that work. And as you say, if we start to do it, um, then we can actually understand different patterns. So I'll ask you to talk a bit about the dream job chart, and then I have another harder question on the on back of my head for later on. But let's start with that. Give us a bit of an idea of what it is and why it's important for that first step of finding our passion.
1: So basically, it's a tool within my book. It's within the first part of the book, which is about finding your passion. It's basically I created it just as a way of clarifying any ideas you have. So. In the book, I ask people to list between five and 10 potential passions that they might have. And the golden rule when doing this is be inspired, list whatever you want. Don't put this sort of society's lens on of be realistic or this might not work for me. Allow yourself permission to to just write whatever you want. When I did mine, I I wrote actor down, which is crazy. I wrote uh, tennis player, which although I'm a big, I am a tennis coach and I'm, a good player as well, at the time, that was just too far off. So don't limit yourself. Write these passions out and then score them out of 10 for four categories. The first one is enjoyment. How much do you enjoy in the moment enjoyment? The second one is fulfillment. What's the reward you get from it? The third is the length of time to master the actual skill. So do you have to gain qualifications? Are you, so I'm a writer. I didn't have to get any qualification for that, but it took me many years of, writing and having a mentor to be able to write sufficiently well that people are going to want to read my books so bear that into consideration finally is the potential to monetize is there is there an easy way to make money from what you're passionate in doing or are you going to have to do it the hard way like I did like I'm sure you did which is building an audience from scratch which is not easy so when you factor all of these things in together that you then score your idea out of 40 and you can measure them against different ideas now doesn't necessarily mean the one that scores the highest is the one you go for but it it helps you clarify your ideas and it helps you kind of weed out the ones which just probably aren't aren't going to work so for my example was tennis coaching and acting just just wasn't going to work for me I could tell as much as I love playing tennis and it's a passion of mine and if I could have been a pro tennis player that would have been amazing and i'd have gone for it but i just didn't think it was going to work so but the good thing is you know if you're passionate about things it doesn't really matter if i'm not a pro tennis player fine i mean that that ship has sailed a long time ago but if i can be a best-selling author that's still a great life you know that's still a great contribution so I think we tend to have more than one passion. So even if one isn't area isn't going to work, we can we can be successful with something else. And the dream job chart is just to help you realize that.
0: I love that. And also, I I wrote in the past about this because I I, I realize I pondered on it. One of my passions is still music, and it was going to be my career. I guess that would have been part of my exercise that would have been fitting in that. And but then in the end, I didn't go for it. And actually, for me that passion but not becoming a a, a journalist and a music writer I discovered that I would enjoy music again for the sake of it because it wasn't my job and I think it kind of like you know reminds us that some of the things that we do is okay to monetize it's great to actually pursue them as as the work that we do but then some passions I personally believe obviously that's me I'm also relieved that they can stay passions because it allows us to enjoy them in a different way and it puts a different type of pressure or lack thereof it comes to some of these things Mm -hmm. now hard questions which ties in i was not going to ask unless it tied in but before i ask you about the second part of your book because there's another little element that i really enjoyed looking at question is what about people changing their passions as in what if you've been one again let's use your example if that's all right what if you started doing acting and maybe you became an actor or you started getting gigs and then you felt that maybe you wanted to then go and jump and actually try, let's say the writer's career, right? What would you say to people that are finding that they want to potentially shift or they feel that that drive to shift? Let me explain. I'm not talking about people that go from, as you say, maybe like a bit of a monotonous office job to their passion. Maybe you're going from something that you love to something else, but you might be afraid of doing that because you feel, well, if this has been my dream, Why would I want to try something new? What would you say to these people? Because I find that a lot of, I know a lot of people that actually shifted in direction, not fully, but enough to going from one thing to another within maybe their own business or their own career. What would you say to people that are worried about exploring that?
1: I think I would ask them to define how big the shift is. So I can give you an example. I mean, this is exactly what I'm experiencing at the moment. So it's quite relevant that you ask that. My huge passion is writing. And my big goal is to become a best-selling author. And it's it's a monumental struggle. And I'm now thinking, not that I want to give up on it, because I'm still, I'm writing my fourth book now, and I've got a f- fifth book in mind. But I'm thinking, okay, this is like pushing a boulder up a hill. It is incredibly difficult. So should I, can I just be a bit smarter? Can I just pivot and maybe create some products to sell instead so i'm also a hypnotherapist so i've been meaning to do it for ages and to create um audio recordings so hypnotherapy tracks and my idea is based around sleep so the the three sound sleep in three nights basically three different recordings three different nights to overcome insomnia so this is still my passion but I'm thinking of maybe my, diverting my attention briefly, going into that, seeing if that might be able to work, make me a bit more money, create a bit more uh, time and freedom for me, so I can then go harder into the writing again. So that's kind of a, a kind of semi diversion, and I think that kind of thing is is very wise, and you should be looking for opportunities to do that because as much as persistence is really important, you you've got to be smart with things as well. If you feel like you're bashing your head against the brick wall then you've got to ask you know are are there some other ways i might be able to make this big dream still work because i love doing it but go in a slightly different direction so that would just be about looking at what other skills you have so it's not just my writing it's my hypnotherapy knowledge it's my my voice in terms of doing the recordings as well i've got those skills because i've been doing it for 16 years so That's an example in that respect. In terms of a big jump to another passion, then I think you've got to be, I think you've got to completely exhaust every avenue in your passion right now, because to a degree, to be successful, you you have to be tunnel visioned. You have to put everything into one basket. So you have to be sure that it's just not going to work. And then maybe you consider doing something else which, which inspires you. But beyond that, I think you've got to give it the best possible chance to to succeed, because if you really love doing it, then you're going to miss it if you if you change too soon.
0: I love that. And also with your example as well, it reminds us of one of the big lessons from the big P word from 2020, uh, the big Pandemic word, which is we learn how to pivot. I think Joe was actually thinking which word with a P she's going to say now. I going to
1: say pandemic, not pandemic. Let's <laughs> <Nice> try <laughs> that. um Controversial. <laughs> I
0: know, right? But it is true, though. I think we, you know, we learned a lot about pivoting in general because a lot of us had to, and and I think it just reminded us that I love that idea of seeing where are you shifting potentially within your passions and kind of how could that work for yourself and sometimes as you say it's just trying to remember what the dream goal is I like to say about it's not about the why it's about the how I've been very flexible with the how in the past eight years pretty much since I started my businesses and that's the reason why I'm still going because sometimes the how has to change and shift depending on the audience, the, the system, the the environment, you know, it changes so quickly, especially right now. So I definitely love that. Now, the last little things that I wanted to just quickly ask before we, we kind of close off was, actually in the second part of the book, you talk about the different Paths that you Mm -hmm. can actually follow. And I just, I love the names, by the way. We've got Adventurous Path, the Strategist, and the Grinder. Can you tell us a bit more about them? Because I, first of all, I love the names. And secondly, I think it's a nice little way to kind of lead us from the passion then into the next steps as well.
1: Okay. So the idea was basically now you know what your passion is. How are you going to be able to make money doing it? And I present the reader with three options, as you mentioned the Adventurous option, which means quitting what you're doing right now and just going for it. So there's no there's no lengthy thought process. There's no planning. It's just pure passion. You quit, you take the big risk. This is the riskiest option, basically. And a lot of people say it's naive. It's never going to work or they're a bit too scared to, to try it. But some people do make successes out of it. And as you probably know from either the book or the presentation, I use the example of Brad Pitt the actor who had an incredible story. It seems crazy, and this is the whole kind of spirit. This is why I call it The Adventurer's Path, because it's a kind of movie-like quality about it or romance about it. He was two credits short or two weeks short of completing his degree, and he got it into his head that he wanted to be a Hollywood actor. Now, why he couldn't just do his degree and then go into Hollywood, I don't know, but he felt so compelled, he just drove over to Hollywood and, and began. began his journey now people would say that's a crazy decision but it worked for him in the end and part of the reason i think it works is because if you have no plan b if you make it if you focus all your attention on your passion and you have to make it work because there's no you know you can't do anything else there's no sort of way out then i think it can for some people get the best out of them you know that pressure can create greatness it can crush people as well but it can also create greatness so maybe that's the right path for you if you are if you know yourself and you know you're that kind of person strategist path is more kind of building a platform for you to shoot at your dreams this is the path i chose my platform is my tennis coaching and my hypnotherapy it gives me enough um, money and enough control over my time to then shoot at becoming a best-selling author. So you're a bit more strategic. You're you're a bit slower in the way you do it, um, which is good because it provides some security. And it also means, you know, you can enjoy your life while you're doing it because I enjoy tennis coaching. I enjoy hypnotherapy as well. But you kind of can feel like you're being torn in three or four different directions when you're doing that and your focus is not, maybe you need to put more hours into what you're doing. Finally, the grinder's path is the path for people who just feel they don't have an option, you know, they have to stay in their full time career. And that is basically time management advice, where you can find those extra hours in to work on your passions that someday it might start making you money. But I don't advise people follow that path more than a year to 18 months, because I'm saying you need to try and work 20 hours a week on your passion. Now, if you're doing that on top of a 40 hour a week job, I mean, that is tremendously difficult, and can have repercussions with your family or repercussions on your health. So I would say go for that for a year or a year and a half, try to save up enough money so you can then leave your job and give yourself a a good shot at making a living from your your passion.
0: I love that and I think it's a, it's a great example and I think some people already start thinking or well, maybe this is where I am or this is where I've been and it almost allows them to see the different options that they might want to change their strategy almost and kind of see maybe I want to now go from being a grinder to maybe just looking at the other things that I can do. So I think it's excellent. Now, before sure. you tell us, <laughs> people can find out more about you got the last question. This is the hardest question. we ask everyone. If you were to have brunch, especially now, we can have brunch, yay, uh, with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be and why?
1: Oh, wow. Um, uh, I'm not gonna go with Michael Jackson because I don't know as much as I like his music and I like his personality and I don't believe in all of the allegations. I just don't know. I think I'd have a better conversation with another controversial figure, uh, Che Guevara. Not that I'd be able to speak to him because he spoke Spanish and I don't speak enough and he didn't speak any English, but let's pretend we could. I just think he had a fascinating life, an incredible, amazing story. And I take some criticism sometimes because I use him as an example in uh, some of my books um, and people can't detract the whole thing of communism i'm not a communist i'm not a socialist i'm just amazed by his life so i'd love to speak to him and and find out listen to his story what he did why he was so inspired to do certain things and just just that would be uh, a a good conversation
0: and by the way you don't have to worry because it is a special is a special brunch table so any language barrier is translator with me Exactly. Exactly. Even better. You know, you can have a little lunch of froid with, with a translator as well. So that's perfect. Thank you so much. Now, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, being grilled by very specific questions. Today I felt on fire. So <laughs> thank you for that. If people want to find out more about you and they want to check you out, what will be the best places to direct them to?
1: I think probably my website, which is uh, www.escapethesystemnow.com so there you'll see my blog you'll also see the page of my books so you can learn more about the books i've written my amazon author page i've now got three books we talked about do the work you love today but my first book was escape the system and the one i've just released now is the personal freedom manifesto so you've got all of three though of theirs there social media go to my instagram which is escape the system 19. And if you like YouTube, then Screw the System is the name of my channel, not Escape the System, Screw the System on (laughs) YouTube.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Thank you so, so much again for taking the time.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us 5 stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your haha's and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.